Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiologist and a sports nutritionist and a competitive bodybuilder. Hello, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney here, uh, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current strength training enthusiast powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm the founder of LiftForHope.org, um, the founder of newly launched StrengthGuild.com. Check it out. And uh, competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and Almost 804 pound deadlifter. So, oh, is that how it went? That's, that's <laughs> how it went. It, it made it to about four inches from lockout. Oh, um, yeah, it sucked. You got to see the video. <laughs> your excuse, your excuses are many. I know, I know. Um, but uh, and then on the show with us today, we got Chad. Chad Aches, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Chad's coming to us from uh, sunny Nevada, where I'm sure it's just beautifully warm. Um, so, Chad, just going to get caught up with you. Um, you know, we had you on the show before. I think all the listeners, they better be uh, familiar with you. So so we're just going to touch in on um, just just what you got going right now. Just get caught up. And uh, what do you got coming up competitively, if anything? Um, I actually just did a small local meet. Um, right now I seem to have a bad luck run of injuries that I'm trying to get healed up. Um, I do plan on doing another big meet, hopefully in three or four months. Um, I'm just trying to get some stuff healed up. I tore my pec a few times over the last couple months that I'm trying to get healed up so I can keep going and uh, working on a little hip injury. Um, so right now it's my main focus, is just trying to get things healed up and then um, get my strength back up where it should be and go do another meet because I still think i got a lot left in me. Gotcha. And your guys, you're, you're coaching your powerlifting team as well right now? Yes, yes. Um, actually, we got uh, my one partner, Scott, doing really good. We're going to have to find him a meet here in a couple months. Um, he's also going for that 800-pound deadlift, and he's pulled in the gym, but until he gets it in the meet, it's not official. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know the feeling. Um, <laughs> you, you came out. You know, one thing that I, I talked about, and I think people have seen me talking about, your, your new DVD that came out, um, yeah. that I was totally impressed with it. You want to you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I do, actually. it. Um, we just got it done not too long ago and it's up for sale now um i think i i questioned myself from a financial standpoint that maybe i should have just done a dvd strictly on training but for me it's very important to look at the long-term goals of people and for people to progress as they want to progress so to me i made this first dvd simply about stretching and the technique of the three main lifts and this is pretty much because I feel like that is the foundation of every good strength program, even whether it's for an athlete, for a power lifter, um, or any version of power lifter, Highland Games, whatever. I mean, that's the, the basic thing is to start getting the technique right, and that's going to be your foundation to grow and to keep making strong, good gains, you know, over the next 20 or 30 years. So it was... A little bit of a conflict for me, which way I wanted to go, but it's just, you know, I want these DVDs. I'd like to make a few bucks off the DVDs, yes, but it's important to me that people get 
the right information. And there's so much information out there right now that's poor that I'm going to come to them and this is it. This is really what you need to learn. And if you're not the top genetic freak of the world, you can take my advice and you're still going to do very well and you can be one of the top lifters. Yeah, I think that aside from the great information in there, I, I love the fact that you, you, you took the time at the end to stress that, you know, I, I'm not going to make a ton off this thing. He said, you know, you kind of stressed that I'd love enough of you guys to buy it that I, that I don't go broke. But, you know, yeah. the main focus is just getting the good information out there. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel very fortunate when I did get into hardcore powerlifting that I was able to meet a lot of top lifters and I was able to get a lot of good information. But I know that a lot of people aren't going to be in the position I was in or have the luck that I had in that area. So I want to be the guy to kind of say, yeah, I was a little lucky with who I met and guys liked me and spent a little extra time with me, but I want to give, I want to put the information out there for everybody. I mean, I know there's guys all over the world that are just busting their butt in the gym and I know how hard they're working and I want to see them make the gains that they deserve to make working that hard. I mean, I get, I get, it frustrates me to, to see guys bust their butt and not make the gains that they should. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I was I was going somewhere, and the right on just threw me off, Lonnie. Uh. I'll stop with my '70s comments. <laughs> hey, you know what? It, it's it, I'm I'm I like that a lot of our actual our, our interviewees have a similar philosophy to we do, it, it, without a little bit of beneficence about spreading it. You know, you're right. When you when you meet a lot of people, you get all this great information. You almost feel obligated in some way, or at least encouraged to sort of download it to other people. And right. see what see what they can do with it, you know. Otherwise, it just seems like a bit of a waste. Yeah, yeah I to- I totally agree. I mean, I feel like I said I feel fortunate to have met the people I have, and that those people have taken extra time with me. And I do, I do feel somewhat obligated to try and help other people out. You know, people were nice to me, and and I think I would have been strong no matter what. But I I can guarantee you, I wouldn't have reached the level and done the numbers I did without the help I got from other people. Yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of an obligation to me to try and help other people. Yeah. Um, I can't say too much more because it's just going to bleed in the topic. But I want to just get it out there. Where can people find find the DVD? Um, they can buy it off my website right now, which is just chadikes.com. Um, last name is A I C H S. Um, and I have a merchandise page with some T-shirts and stuff, and the videos on there. There you go. And uh, let's go ahead and move into the topic because I think that's where this is headed. You're chomping at the bit for that topic. I know, I know. <laughs> um, you know, I think you know. I'm I'm up here doing a lot of stuff with Jesse Burdick and Mark Bell, and they kind of mm-hmm. said it well to me. You know that Chad is known for and has been known for his impeccable form. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. what got you where you were, and that's what a lot of this DVD revolves around. You know, you stress it through yeah. the whole thing that if if you're not correct on your form, then you're just not going to display the strength you're able to. And yep. um, that's what I wanted to use as the topic of the day, just across the board, um, the importance of form. And just right. just if you want to shoot a couple things about that, and then we'll, we'll start running on this. When I, when I first started getting into the higher-level powerlifting, I would go to meets, and I, you know, and I would see these huge, massive guys. And you could tell by the way they lift that these guys are just strong, you know. And I think in a lot of cases, I ended up beating people that were actually stronger than me because my technique was good. You know, you can take two guys that have similar strength, and a guy with good technique is going to squat 850. The guy with shitty technique is going to squat maybe 800. 
So to me, the name of the game is still lifting as much as you can. You know, that's how you win the meet. And even in terms of an athlete, you're limited. If you're a football player, you're limited how much time you have in the gym because you're doing all this other specific training for football. So you need to get in the gym, optimize your time, and get the most you can out of it. If you're in there and you're lifting with shitty technique, you're not optimizing your strength game. Plus, in, in, in terms of athletes, and in the video I tried to go over specifically for like the high-level power lifter that wears double-ply gear, and, and, and that kind of technique is a little bit different than a guy who wears single-ply raw or even an athlete. So I tried to kind of go over both styles of lifting in the video. Um, <clears throat> but basically, you're, you're, say you're, say you're um, doing the squats and you're a football player. If you're going to go narrow stance, more Olympic style, you're going to end up working your thighs more. But in terms of sports, your posterior chain is way more important. You know, you see sprinters, they usually have decent-sized thighs, but look at their glutes and hamstrings. They're huge, and that's why they're so fast. So why waste your time in the gym working your quads if what you really need is hamstring and glute work? In a proper squat, you're going to work hamstrings and glutes. So technique is important in the way I see it in all forms of strength. And even, you know, a football player, they're training for strength, maybe not necessarily what a power lifter is, but they're still training for strength, and you want to work the, the proper muscles that you need more for that sport. Now, then in terms of power lifting, you're, you're going to be able to squat so much with your thighs. I mean, there's been a lot of big squats with, your, with people's thighs, but your hamstrings and glutes are still going to end up being way stronger than your quads ever can. So when you learn this technique, you want to learn to optimize your movement to make it as efficient as possible, and you want to use the muscles that are going to be the biggest and the strongest. Um, even in similar in the benches, a lot of people think the bench press is a pec movement. And if done a certain way, it is. I mean, you know, a couple of you guys are bodybuilders. If you're doing the bench to work your pecs, then you need to bench that way because that's your goal. But as far as putting up a big bench, the biggest bench possible, you're going to get a lot more out of it learning how to use your triceps and your back more. And if you're a football player, again, your posterior chain is always going to be more important. So you need to work your posterior chain more. You need to work your back and your triceps. That's what's going to give you that power to really push people around. So <clears throat> with all, with all, and the three main lifts, also even in sports, I mean, those are the three main lifts. Every athlete does a bench, a squat, and a deadlift. Those are the most important movements for any strength game. Um, even in the Highland games, you know, most of the guys are training those similar lifts, probably throwing in some cleans and stuff like that too. But um, those three main lifts are the biggest important ones. Yeah. And then you can talk about safety. You know, whether you're a power lifter, a football player, a Highland game athlete, we the more we can stay away from injuries, the more time we have to get stronger and train. Yeah. Injuries stop progression. They slow everything down. So you want to stay away from them. Proper technique is going to do you a better job of staying away from those injuries. Now, in my instance, I have injuries now. I mean, they're going to happen no matter what if you're lifting maximal weights. But because my technique is so good, I've stayed away from a lot of injuries. And that also goes back to flexibility, which I cover in the, in the DVD, too, because flexibility is also an important issue um, as far as your muscles being more flexible, so they're going to fire faster. And this is something that the Russians always knew and why their athletes were so flexible. But it also allows you to help keep away injuries. I know I've crashed down with a couple of big squats and walked away from them basically because of my flexibility. Mm. 
let's see, there's, there's so many things, there's so yeah. many reasons for people to get, to, to have good technique. Um, the other thing, like, it goes back to your weakest link. You're only as strong as your weakest link. I mean, if, you're, if your weak link is locking out a bench press and that's because your triceps are weak, you can keep benching all you want and you can work the crap out of your back, you can work the crap out of your chest, you can work the crap out of your anterior deltoids, but you're only going to lift as much as those triceps can lift. If you have very poor technique, it's hard to tell what your weak points are. So it's hard to figure those out, and it's hard to focus on those. If your technique is very solid and it's right almost all the time, <clears throat> you and your training partners, are, are it's going to be easier to figure out what your weak point is. Um, say, for example, in a squat, if you come down in a squat and all of a sudden your back rounds over and you're hunched really bad. Well, if you have good technique all the time and at a certain weight, you see that you're starting to round. You can go, okay, well, let's let's analyze this and see what the weak point is. Is it because my abs are weak? Is it because I have a middle back weakness? You know, you're going to have an easier time telling what that is. If you're one of those guys that just has awful technique and it's not consistent, you know, you're going, Jesus, I, I really don't know what the weak point is because your technique's such a mess. It could just it could just be simply that your technique's bad, yeah. or how am I going to figure out what a weak point it is, or if you know, or if your technique is solid, when I when I get to a weight where something goes wrong, my partners can pick up right away. You know, right now your middle back's your weak point. That's what we need to hammer. Mm-hmm. And that's and that was a big part of the game for me progressing, like I did, is that I was always on top of my weakest link. And that's always going to change. You know, once you fix, say the example of the tricep, once you get your tricep strong enough, all of a sudden another muscle group's going to be your weak yeah. point because no matter how hard you try. You're never going to be able to grow your all your muscles at the same rate. It's just if anybody can do that, I'd be really surprised because I can never figure out how. So it's a matter of finding that weak point, fixing it, and then moving to the next one. Yeah. And having good technique, of course, is going to help that. Um, it's one of the things with my partners that we're on top of a lot. You don't hear a lot of rah rah stuff with my team. You always hear guys going, "You need to do this. Push your knees out. You know, sit back more." We're on top of it all the time because even as good as my technique is, there's still a lot of things to think about now. There's always one or two little things that I miss. And if I didn't have partners to stay on top of me about it, then my technique probably wouldn't be what it is now. So that's another issue I get pretty frustrated with is um, because I get to travel around to a lot of gyms and stuff. And I always hear a lot of rah-rah stuff. Great job. Good lift. You got it. And I'm like, yeah, but sure, you got that lift, but could have squatted 100 pounds more if his technique mm-hmm. was right. Why are exactly. you telling him it's so good if it's not that good? You know, exactly. That's really what I tell him. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I've, I've told that to tons of facilities here lately that I've went to. It's like the worst thing you can do for your partners is just say, great job. Yeah, <laughs> You're not helping them at all. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I expect, I expect the best out of my partners, and my partners expect the best out of me. Well, that's the whole concept of, you know, devils in the details and kind of thing, right? I mean... Yeah. When you get to a certain level facility as a, as a lifter, I mean, it's, it's all the little details that add up to, you know, big differences in performance. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when you, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're a 400-pound squatter and you're halfway strong, it can probably be ugly as hell and you can get away with that lift. Mm-hmm. The closer you get to your true max, the more your technique starts mattering. You know, and you'll find, when I, almost always, when I've, I've never missed a lift because I didn't have the strength. 
Every lift that I've ever missed, I went, I let my back round a little bit. I didn't stay mm-hmm. tight enough. I wasn't pushing my abs out enough. And there's always those little bitty things, and, and the better you become and the more efficient your body becomes, the more those little details add up and matter. You know, yesterday I was training a client of mine who's just, um, he's not competitive, but he's interested in the whole concept of just getting stronger on the power lifts. And mm-hmm. I said something to him that I had never really said before to a client, and I said to him at uh, – because he was actually, you know, for his top set and squat, I said to him, I said, you know, let the horsepower take care of itself. Just keep your focus on your mechanics. You know, and I yeah. think I, I think if you do all the work properly, as you're saying, and you're always focusing on making sure that there's no links in the chain that are weak, when you finally get down to, you know, the meat and potatoes actually going for, you know, your max lift or, you know, a lift where you just have to hit certain numbers or something like that, with a considerable amount of weight, at that point, I think that holds true, you know. At that point, don't worry anymore about the horsepower. That'll kind of take care of itself. You've trained that into you to fire in that way. Just make sure that your mechanics stay tight. Right. I think um, it's, you, a little, it's a little different for me because I, in, in, in training, I'm really hard on technique, and, I, and I'm really strict. When I do get to the meat, it becomes a little different thing because my technique is pretty much right on to where – in the warm-ups, we'll put that one or two little things that I need to work on, and I focus on those things, and it's just about my body's going to know where it needs to go. I'm just going to go crazy. Um, but, I, but I think in, in a lot of instances, you're right. And, and I think, like, like your client right there, I think that stuff's awesome because not everyone wants to compete. And it's, and it's not a big deal if you don't want to compete. I don't have a problem with people that don't want to compete. But, but even, like, it sounds like him training, you know, he's still interested in his strength. And even if you're just a guy that goes to the gym to lift, I mean, basically, most people are going there for a better quality of life. Well, what's going to give you a better quality of life? I mean, trying to get as lean as you can possibly be or trying to be a little stronger. I mean, a little stronger is going to give you that better quality of life. And, yes, leaning out for your health and stuff is good, too. But I like hearing that people are still interested in strength. And I mean, even if, you know, I've, I've helped guys in our gym that go, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge guy. I'm not really, I'm never going to compete. But, man, I'd really like to bench 300 pounds. And I'm like, that's cool. That's, you have a goal and you want that, and that's awesome. And I'm more than willing to help those people out to achieve that. Right. You know what? This comes back to sort of what you were saying, Chad, before about being a little bit, well, constructive, but a little hard on each other when it comes to form. It's so valuable to have training partners of a certain caliber that they can look at the devil in the details, like Fortress was saying, or, or in Rob's case, working with that client. You know, that guy needs some expert instruction. He doesn't want to just, you know, he doesn't want a cheerleader. He wants uh, sort of a, a coach and an encouraging critic, if you will. And, yeah. you know, that's the kind of stuff people want. They want coach. They don't want a cheerleader. They want a coach. Yeah. I mean, and that's the people that really want to get better. That's exactly what they want. I mean, they don't need somebody in there telling them, yeah, that's great, when it's not great, because they want to get better, too. Um, one of the things, when, when people join my team, one of the requirements is that you will learn the technique, and you will criticize and help the other people, mm-hmm. because we are a team, and everyone here should want everyone else to be good. I, I was talking to a, a girl one time about my partner, Scott, and um, I mentioned that I, my goal is to train him to beat me. Yeah. And she she thought that seemed awfully weird that I would train someone to be myself. And she couldn't really understand it. I go, but, yeah, he's my partner. And, and actually, my partners are pretty much family to me. So I'm not going to help him and, like, try to sabotage him to beat me. I think he has the skills to beat me. And I 
and I want to push him to that level. I want to push him to be the best that he can. And if he beats me, he beats me. Yeah, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, keep my run going and try to keep it off as long as I can. But I will be more proud of him beating me than any of the things that I've done. There's an old proverb about the highest compliment a teacher can get is to have his student surpass him. And I think that's exactly. what you're talking about there, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, it's also the whole comment about, um, you know, it depends on your ego and how strong you are in your ego and your character, right? A lot of guys love to be the big fish in the small pond, and they like to keep it that way, you know, where they train yeah. that. There's other people that actually, you know, invite people who are their peers or greater because, you know, it will spur them on. I mean, think about it. If... If you're squatting 300 pounds and the next strongest guy in the gym is squatting, you know, 225, mm-hmm. you know, you're the, you're the shit in that gym. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in the bigger in the bigger ocean, you're nothing. So it depends how far you want to go. And I, I've seen it time and time again. When you train around people who are better or as good as you or more, more purposefully better than you, usually the other guys rise to the occasion and start coming closer, you know. Um, you are who you train around, and and unfortunately, if you are, and this sounds arrogant, but if you're someone like you're myself who's living in a place that there's not a, like a, a large body of people who are you know involved in you know pure strength training and stuff, sometimes that when you get to a certain level of, of advancement, it becomes much more difficult to people who are like that. So, um, hence why um, I, I love things like YouTube and stuff because I like scoping out the dudes that are just, you know, blowing my mind before I go to the gym. And I like watching people who are better at me in the videos and stuff. And, you know, and usually not even in meets, right? Just in training, you know, a training gym scenario. And that, that spurs me on. And I always do that right before I train. I try and find guys who are doing, you know, freakish things within this kind of within the parameters of what I'm training. You know, like for me, drug free raw, I try to find guys who are you know, do I want to squat 700 today? Okay, well, let, let me find some guy who's doing with the same, you know, in the same form. Let me f- find a guy on YouTube who's doing 730. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, right. it really helps. Well, let me make a distinction there, Fortress, too, because I think a lot of people, when they watch YouTube in that kind of setting, they're watching it for entertainment, whereas you're looking at it with a competitor's mind. You're studying that movement. You know, and that's not unlike, I've been doing that a lot lately with old school, like Frank Zane videos and stuff. I'm yeah. not watching that for entertainment. I'm studying that. You know, what's he trying to hide there? Why is he standing like that? You know what I mean? And it's the same kind of thing, or what's right. he trying to emphasize maybe? But it's the same kind of thing what you're saying. You're, you're dissecting that person's form. Because if you don't have those high caliber training partners around you, I mean, that's a really fortunate thing to have. If you don't have that because you're the big fish in the small pond or you're just in, you know, a gym where there's not many like-minded people, I guess that's the point where you start trying to attend workshops and stuff like that, and you actually put yourself around people who are better, you know, and, and try to incur- get some live feedback like that, too. Or even, it's well, even the, oh, so, sorry, go on. Um, we, I've actually talked to my partners about this before, and Scott's mentioned it many times, that if he didn't have me to look at, he wouldn't be where he's at right now. Just the fact that I keep breaking records and I keep moving up kind of gives him that, little incentive to go, you know what, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you said, if I wasn't there, it would kind of be one of those gyms where he would have already been the strongest guy there, and it would have been hard for him to push himself past that. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am not really that kind of guy. I mean, even when I first started lifting, I really didn't care who was. I'm more like you watching the YouTube videos. I was looking at the top five guys in the world. 
And I was going, that's where I want to be like. You know, I know some guys get in the gym and they go, oh, man, nobody here can bench 400 pounds. So 400 pounds is a huge bench press. Well, in my mind, I was looking at the best in the world going, no, four is not shit. I want to bench eight. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's so true. When my brother and I were undergrads in college, we constantly compared ourselves to professional bodybuilders or national caliber guys, and everybody thought that was funny. You know, we were like they, – they'd call us the Barbarian Brothers in the gym and stuff. Rob, I don't know yes. if I even told you that, but – and the funny thing was – and I mean this with 100% sincerity. We're like, what? Look how small this is, and look how we lack that. And you know, it's because of our the bar that w- was set before us. We you know we're yeah. we're looking way up and and above out of that little yeah. puddle of a gym. Well, two yeah. things. For, first of all, you know, I hate you know in my gym whenever I you know I'm working out reasonably heavy, I always have the you know the the, the gawkers make comments right. Oh, uh, you know, I, I with either with sarcasm right. Oh, train light today eh? or. You know the whole concept of, of holy crap! Could you get more weight on that bar? Holy crap! That's scary! Holy! And I always say to them, please don't say that because I, you know, it's it, I always use the Ronnie Coleman uh, um, quote. You know, it's a big weight for a small woman. You know, that was that's always my re- retort because I, my concept is is never never refer to it as heavy. It's it's you can't think of it like that. You got to think, oh no, I'm weak. I'm weak. You know, like a 400 pound bench press. No, that's that that's nothing compared to this guy. Compared to that guy. You know, it's it. And you so you kind of you for a guy like me again, who's not surrounded physically with a lot of guys who are peers of mine at that strength level. You have to kind of create your own reality around you. You know, and the real reality that does exist outside of your bubble, right? Like right. I, when I'm training in the gym, trying to you know maximize my performance, I'm not really. I'm not really aware of the guys around me doing their kind of like, you know, half-assed bullshit training sessions. I'm not really aware of those guys. To me, I'm training around all the best in the world, right? Like over there is Brad Gillingham and over there is Ed Cohn at his best and over there, you know, like that's what I'm thinking in my mind, you know, and and I want to go back to something. I want to go back to something that Solani said about the Barbarian Brothers, the funny thing, that quote of theirs that um, they were talking to David Paul, one of the Barbarian Brothers years ago, I think it was in the early 90s, and he was at the Goals Gym and they were talking to him when they were moved out from Rhode Island. And he said, you know, me and my brother used to, you know, hear, read about all, all the stuff in all the muscle magazines about what this guy was lifting, what Samir Banu was lifting, what these guys were lifting. So we thought we all had to lift that heavy, right? And he says, then we got out here, we actually could lift those weights, and we found out that it was all bullshit, and all these guys weren't actually <laughs> lifting that. But we were actually lifting these weights that we were aspiring to that, you know, these guys weren't actually lifting to, but we we thought they were. So again, it kind of really paints the picture of, you know, you set your own parameters in your mind and, and your reality is what you make it to be. And if your reality is you want to exist in a, kind of a hemisphere that's way beyond, you know, those around you, then, you know, if you have strong enough character integrity to go and pursue that, you can achieve it. I think, um, you know, first of all, I think, I think, I think you need to, to, training has to be some sort of a structured thing where, you know, you need the foundation of the technique and then you need to have a good program and you need to have that stuff. But for me, a lot of it, and I've done a couple of videos where it still comes down to heart and will. I mean, that's where true strength comes from in my mind. And the reason I did and achieved a lot of the things that I achieved is because of my mind and because I was like you guys are talking about. I went, I didn't look at a local gym and go, well, this is strong. I went to the best of the best. And I looked at their numbers, and I went, you know what? I can do that. I know I can do that. Right. Um, I remember my first professional meet. I opened with um, the highest opening squat ever, which was 11, 20-something like that. And everybody's like, well, you can't open with that. Nobody opens with that. And I go, well, I don't care. I'm not everyone. 
I'm me, and I can open with it because I'm telling you I can, and I will, and I did. You know, <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of a lot of my strength came from. Is you got to be able to compare yourself to the best, but then go, I can do that, and there's no reason I can't do more than that. And let's take a break for some station identification and some public service ads. This is Iron Radio. Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. Now, as I said, people prematurely cage themselves into their own, you know, ideas of what is possible. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like the old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, Bob Kennedy once told me that he was in the company of those two guys, and this was in the, you know, the when Arnold first came over and his thighs were lacking, you know, and he went to Joe Weider with his heavy Austrian accent, and he said, Joe, you know, I, I need to get my, um, you know, thighs bigger, and I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, Arnold, you got to squat and squat until you can't squat anymore. He says, but Joe, I do that. I, you know, he goes, well, how much weight do you got on the bar, Arnold? He says, I use four or five hundred pounds. He says, well, squat a thousand pounds. And he says, but Joe, of course, this is, you know, this 1970-ish. He says, but Joe, nobody squats a thousand pounds. And, and Joe's reply was, well, be the first. Yeah. You know, and it was that whole mentality, right? Like what you're saying, like people will tell you you can't do it. Arnold had, had well, Joe, Joe never, nobody does that. And his whole concept was, so what? If nobody else does it, then simply then just be the first to do it. You know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, just all the people will, who will tell you you can't do things are the people who probably tried it themselves and failed. Mm-hmm. And it was usually probably a failure of will. And they don't want you to, to succeed. Yeah. So, you know, so you just have to kind of, you know, for, forget all the naysayers and all the bullshit on YouTube comments about this, that, and everything else. And that's not possible. And this is not possible. And say, you know what? It's only not possible if I, in my mind, make it not possible. That, I, I completely believe it. I mean, I guess, you know, there's some point where you can't go, I'm going to go squat 2,000 pounds and you're going to do it that day. But and even when I first went up, my goal was to do 1,000 pounds clean. And nobody had done that, and nobody believed that it could even be done. And I did it, you know. But I only did it because I told myself I could convince I did it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, it's the whole concept yeah. again of like the Barbarian Brothers going back to them again. What they once said in an interview, they were saying, you know, um, we never. This is their quote: "We never look at a poundage and think we. I can't do that. You don't think that way. You think I can't do that today, but I will do that one day." I mean, that's a slight shift in attitude, but it's a, it's it's mammoth as far as you know your potential. Well, you need to have some dose of realism, sure. You know, and that's I think Chad was saying. You know, that's where the the program and the progressions are so important because when you get a little bit of uh, expert advice, even as, even even if it's just from peers, it sort of gives you that idea. Well, you can expect to improve about this much. You know, yeah, oh yeah, surpass it. You know, break through that wall. Yeah. But it, the program and the reality of it. Is important too. You know, I, I don't want you know young listeners to go. Oh, I can do it. I'll just be the first and to go and go kill themselves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they hear right. Chad talk about thousand pound openers. Is it okay, kids? You know, it's going to be a while. <laughs> be well, a while. I always say when you when you go for a maximal set, whether it's you know for a set of reps or just even a single, you should have in your mind probably a you know a ninety ninety five percent you know in your mind that you, you're. You're probably good to go with that, yeah. you know. Approximation, you horse- yeah. Yeah, you have to have an approximation of success. I mean, you know, obviously you can have a margin of error too, but I mean, yeah, if you're just a, some blind idiot that, you know, his best is 225 for eight, and you, you know, think, oh, screw it, throw on 450. I mean, yeah, yeah you're, you're going to get hurt. You're going to a fail badly, b embarrass the hell of yourself, and c potentially really hurt yourself. So, you know. Well, hey, let's get let's get back to the form thing a little bit because I wanted to ask all you guys about, uh, you know, because we're talking about getting decent advice, right? Whether it's from peers or at a workshop or whatever it is. What if you're around people who don't have good form or they don't even know what good form is? I was thinking maybe you guys could talk about from a power perspective. I mean, I have my own thoughts about bodybuilding movements, but what are sort of common cardinal sins that you see in the three big lifts um well first of all most people bench press like a bodybuilder with their elbows out yeah and i mean if you are a bodybuilder and you're working your chest that's probably something that you have to do i I would tend to say there's other movements like flies and stuff that may be a little better but you know if you want a big bench your, your pec is a is a big muscle but it has a pretty small attachment up in you know up in your shoulder, mm-hmm. um, your 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 back and your triceps and your lats are are way bigger muscle groups that are going to generate a whole lot more power. Right, multiple origin uh-huh. insertion kind of muscles. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and 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 now there's a difference between um, like a full shirted double ply bench pressing power lifter and a raw bench pressing power lifter. Basically, the biggest difference is, is where you're going to hit on your on your upper abs toward your the very top of your abs or down a little bit. Um, if you're a raw bench presser, which I'm assuming most of the people listening probably are, um, you're gonna you want to keep your elbows at a 45, and you're gonna hit just the very tip of your abs, the very top of your abs. Um, people tend to have their elbows out way too much, and it just takes a lot of power out of the movement. Um, another thing is one of the biggest things I see that people do is they don't tuck their shoulder blades down and together when they bench press. So this does multiple things. This this leaves your shoulder shoulder susceptible to injury because they're not tight. There's nothing against them. And, and and most people are a bench isn't that wide. Most people are wider than that bench. 
So that leaves your shoulder joint loose, which actually is not a very good joint anyway, to be honest with you, structurally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you get that thing tucked in tight and together, now the safety of your shoulder joint's better. You're in a much better position. You just took about two inches off of your movement. And now when you come down and you go to press up, all your force is going to be pushing forward into the bar. Where when your shoulders are loose, you're going to go to press that, and your shoulders are actually going to fall back a little bit which means you're splitting power going down and power going up. One of my biggest pet peeves in the, in the squat is people squatting straight down, which is just terrible for your knees. People need to learn to sit back. It's the, the squat is actually a backward movement. It's not a downward movement. I, I think, I think for a lot of our listeners, to clarify, I think what you're talking about is allowing the knees to travel forward too much. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, right. you're, okay. you're, ideally your shins will be almost straight up and down. Yeah, um, which, which you're you're starting the movement by pushing your butt backwards. And I and I I, I did a I did a small video uh, for Muscle and Fitness on their website, and I had a tremendous amount of people emailing me saying that they had either quit squatting because their knees hurt, or they had lots of knee pains, and they watched my video, and within a couple months they were squatting more than they ever squatted, and they had no knee pain at all. Right. Now, I think also to clarify, we need to, for some of our listeners, clarify that you're talking more about a power squat versus an Olympics or you know bodybuilding-style squat where it's yeah. almost impossible to not have you know forward knee travel. I mean, if you look at some... Yeah. You know, wonderful, wonderful Olympic squatters, whether they're weightlifters or, you know, legendary bodybuilders like Tom Platts, who have actually very narrow Olympic, very pure Olympic style. You you will see a lot of forward knee travel, but yeah, certainly if you're working out towards a more power style, um, the aim, of course, is yes to keep your knees as far back as possible. Well, yeah. let me you know let me yeah. offer something that's very relevant here. Last week in the gym, uh, after watching some old school bodybuilders squatting and stuff. I actually did that, Rob. I actually did sort of knees a little bit closer together, more quad centric movement. And I normally don't do that. I mean, I'm, my quads got torched. Nor normally my ass gets sore, you know, my glutes and, and hamstrings and like, you know, adductors and like inner thighs and stuff. And yeah, my quads get sore. But I thought, well, maybe I better do some isolation work, you know, to really sort of directly stimulate some hypertrophy in my quads and stuff because I guess maybe I'm unusual in that I do tend to sit back and sit down like I'm sitting in a low chair. But it's because I've always looked at the squat like a performance movement, almost to the exception of a hypertrophy movement. And for me, that's sort of backwards, right? So I actually tried the more Olympic style. And the last couple of days, my quads have been stinging sore to the touch. I'm like, oh, my God. So, But I know what you're talking about. It's 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 activating completely different motor patterns. And I've never had any problems either, but that's because I sit back on my squats. You know, I, you know I've, I, I've trained myself to – I mean, obviously, for the first 15, 16 years of my training, I was a bodybuilder. And I trained very, very – I mean, much more than you, even you, Lonnie, as you know. I trained much more pure Olympic style. I was – you know, four or five inches between my heels kind of stands, very yeah, narrow. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing that I see when people try to squat properly like that, um, the mistake I always see is, again, they try to squat down with that kind of narrowness, with their, and they're not pushing their knees out and kind of sitting their kind of their trunk down between their thighs kind of a thing. Um, it's kind of hard to describe. It's almost like they're pushing their knees out, so they're sitting very much as much as possible, certainly because they're so narrow on their heels and the outsides of their foot. You know what I mean? So you're sitting your 
your belly kind of down between the middle of your thighs and your knees are sticking out. Yeah, well, there's a certain flexibility requirement, I think, in several joints when you do that kind of stuff. But no, you're right. And being a 40 something, you know, I was concerned about my knees too. I actually, my knees were a little sore after doing that and I've never had a knee problem. Now, let me clarify. I mean, listeners know I am no, <laughs> I am no power lifter. I'm talking about, you know, using, I only used 315 when I was doing those Olympic style squats. So to, even 275. So it's, you know, it's a, it was completely for a different purpose. But anyway, I, points well taken. I mean, when Chad was talking about the, you know, the cardinal sin of people not sitting back like that, uh, I don't know. I, people, I think more that often than not, just don't do that. They they don't they don't naturally gravitate toward that sort of sit down in a low beanbag chair kind of no. thing. You know, I, well, I, I think it's everybody is everybody in this world now is posterior or you know anterior chain dominant. They're, yeah. they're all quads and shoulders and and pec and and you know that's it. I think that's the biggest problem. That's the main thing I see is everybody's hunched forward. They don't know how to activate their rear ends or their back of, of in anything. Um, well, when you're well, standing for in the mirror. When you're yeah. standing preparing for a squat, I always tell people that, I mean, the, the, the first mistake I see on 99% of guys who don't know what they're doing with the squat is you can see that the form is completely shot within the first inch of the movement. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Because yeah. the first thing they break from is the knee. And I always tell guys, as soon as you see a guy standing, you know, completely, you know, with the bar on his back and he's just about to go and then he goes, if the first thing you see is a break at the knee, the whole thing's going to be shot. You know, and you know what I mean? it's personally, I think that's Olympic style or any style. You still need to break at the hip first. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether Olympic or power style. If you're yep. breaking, the first thing that breaks, the first movement in your body is a break at the knee. The whole, the whole thing is going to be fudged for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I want to I touch on. I look at it as um, if a person, if a, I understand if a bodybuilder's training, he needs to work his quads. I mean, you have to. I mean, I've seen Plath, and Plath had huge quads, and he had those quads from squatting. But I think most people that are in the gym or, or even the athlete, I think they're better off doing a power squat because they're going to get more yeah. functional strength out of that throughout oh, yeah. their life. And then I, I understand think, what you're also yeah. saying about working the quads. Because I'm, I'm still, it's still very, you know, muscle imbalances can really screw things up. So you always need to work the protagonistic and the antagonistic. I do a lot more of my quad stuff just on knee extensions um, because I feel it is good for your knee, and you still do have to keep your quad in shape. I mean, you can't ignore your quad and just work all your posterior gain either. Yeah, well, I was actually getting concerned. My my wife said, you know, you know, honey, you've got kind of a horse's ass. <laughs> <You know>? and, <laughs> and you know what? Off-season, great. You sure she didn't say you were a horse's ass? <laughs> yeah, that might have been it. That would clarify. But, you know, but you get the point is, I, you know, right now, especially contest season, I, although I'm a big believer in keep, keeping some heavy squats mixed in, and again, I know you guys think that's funny, but heavy squats for me are like, you know, I go up to 465 max, there's no shame. There's no shame in that, man. But you know, I'm not a power lifter, and yeah. and and off season, I I'm feeling pretty heroic <laughs> doing that yeah. kind of stuff. But it's always power squat, and if my butt gets big, great, I'm proud of it. But you know, like right now, I am. It did make me think for a minute. Well, you know, my glutes are really sore all the time. My quads, not so much. They might feel heavy, kind of fatigued. But so you know, I it's it's just muscle isolation on some level instead of 
overindulging in this sort of barbaric, you know, oh, squat more and just looking at it like a, a performance type of movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it depends on your goals. Well, I think, uh, go back to what exactly. our guest said, I think that the, for the average person in the gym who isn't, you know, intent on stepping on stage as a bodybuilder or on the lifting platform as a competitive, you know, lifter, I think, I think kind of a hybrid of the two is kind of where you want to go that old classic you know walk out with the bar and kind of where your feet naturally stand is probably where you should go because again i, I think i at, think um i think ed cone because ed cone always kind of had like not a real wide stance but not a narrow stance and he right, did it right. almost perfectly yes he has to me like that is the ultimate hybrid squat technique right there to yeah. me yeah and i mean i'm you could push this to women too i mean it's going to build up what they're looking to build, you know, their butts and their hamstrings and their inner thighs. <laughs> you know? yeah, which, and um, like, yeah, a lot of women always go, I want, you know, I want a little bit of a bubble butter. I want more in my butt. Yeah. And, yeah, it's exactly. We'll squat. Yes. I find that so funny that women, you know, they always do that. They're, you always find them on the butt blaster type machines, you know, because they want, you know, like mm-hmm. you say, they want that little bit more of a bubble Rounded. butt. yeah. And it's like you're wasting your freaking time. Just go a little bit wider on the leg press and do some squats. I mean, yep. you know, stop sticking around with these isolation. Yeah. A couple, couple things I wanted to touch on again was, you know, Chad mentioned, and I was in total agreement about the fact that, you know, come meet time, he just kind of lets the animal loose. But, and, and I think that's because, I mean, like any other athlete, you, it's all the time, it's the gym time where you're just perfecting this form. Um, rep after rep after rep after rep of just perf- trying to get it perfect every time. So by the time you come to a meet, it's just ingrained in you. That's all you know. Actually, you Ro- or Phil, that off and go with it. Phil, that's a similarity yeah. between bodybuilding and powerlifting, I think, because it's the same thing. You know, you, you, you punch the clock day after day, rep yeah. after rep, like the old Tom Platts, and a mind in the muscle mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I know it's not, it's not technique that you have to perform on the day of the event. Yeah. But boy, talk about an event like bodybuilding where all your work is behind you pretty much then. I mean, except yeah. for like a posing routine. And on, sadly, most people don't even pay much attention to that anymore but the, but anyway yeah you get you get the idea that i think that's where bodybuilding and powerlifting are actually kind of similar yeah. is that you spend all the time on that technique that's all gym time that's yeah, that's, and, that's and not posing dais time or or power platform time you have to get it to where it's automatic because if you're thinking makes you weak and slow if you're thinking 16 things you're not going to make the lift if, if a tennis player gets a serve served at him and they <laughs> think how to hit it the, the damn ball's already passed them. Right. It's that, you know what? <laughs> it's like that old power, or, uh, martial arts saying. I think I brought this up ages ago on the podcast. But when under stress, we revert to our training. Yes. And it's those motor patterns that we ingrain. You know. And that's where I mean I've, I've seen gyms where you go in and they're they're pushing you know people to do reps with this, reps with that, and the, the person doesn't know how to do one right yet. And <laughs> they're having them do sixteen, and you know it's like. <laughs> Why are you having to make this goes back to the whole partner issue of having people on top of you every rep. I mean, even yeah. when you're warming up, I'm yelling at my guys, get your knees out, sit back. You know, you're not using your abs right and all that stuff. Exactly. And if I'm doing a 10-rep set, a 15-rep, whatever, you know, it's it's 15 singles. You know, yeah. it's like I want you yelling at me every time. So, okay, you, you know, you, you shot your hips on that one. Hey, you did this. You did, and it's you're trying to make everyone identical. Yep. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a failure of the whole Western hypertrophy kind of over um, prioritization that we've seen in resistance training for the last thirty, forty years. Is this whole idea of um, 
you know, just continue the set to get the burn. But I mean, to get the burn, you're way past the point where your actually reps are kind of still still tight mechanically, very yeah, good. Like, you know, like do no this, pain, no gain. Well, yeah, and it, it, but it trains you. As Lonnie says, it trains your nervous system to fail. It trains your nervous system to, to, to be not efficient. I mean, I always say to people, like, forget the reps. I mean, if you're, you know what I mean? Like, make sure that the reps you're doing are good. Like you say, I like what you said, Phil, the whole idea of you're not doing a set of five, you're doing five singles. And you have to, when you think of it like that, and you're actually under the bar, and you think of it like that, it really does make a profound change in how you approach those reps. Um, because again, you're, you're looking for excellence on every one, you know, as opposed to, well, I gotta hit five or ten reps and, you know, the, the last three or four are absolutely horrible looking. You know, now that's gonna happen sometimes, no matter what you do, you're gonna have like, kind of like, you know, really cheesy looking reps. We all have them once in a while. But yeah. if you're doing that consistently, every time, over and over, and you train like that, eventually, I mean, you, you know, that, that's just the way you train. You know, and, and it's just a, a, a colossal, you know, a presentation of buffoonery. So, yeah, and that's one big thing I'm on is, uh, you know, buying your way up day in, day out. You know, if I come into the gym and, you know, last week I deadlifted 780 and this week I'm going in there and I'm planning on going higher than that, well, that starts at 135. And I don't get to go to 225 until I did 135. Yeah, right? yeah, I do that know, too. Yeah. 315, it's like I'm, I'm staying at 315, even though I'm planning to go to 685. If I can't do 315 right, I don't have the right to try 405. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, that's a good back, point. They're like, I have people that warm up, and they're like, "Oh, I'm just warming up." I go, "No, you're not. Just yeah, you're warming yeah. up. But this is the perfect opportunity to get your technique right, to be exactly. working on your technique. It's Practice. not just the warm up. This is part of the training session. Yeah, that's exactly. where you work out your kinks, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, like like the the, the real real light sets. I use look pretty ugly with me because I I think you guys know what I'm saying. You usually need a little bit of weight on you to kind of get yeah. tight. Um, but certainly, you know, if you're squatting four or five hundred pounds or six hundred pounds, whatever, by the time you're at two twenty five, three fifteen, you know, yeah, your reps should be starting to look pretty darn nice. You know, and like like Phil says, I mean, honestly, I think like I tell my guys, if you you need to be able to squat with an empty bar, if you can squat perfectly with an empty bar, then you're starting to get it down. That's yeah, tight. no, That's no, tight. I do agree. I do agree with that. I do. Yeah. One of the hardest things to do is to squat properly with an empty bar and. Yeah, you should. Like, sometimes I'll do multiple sets of fives with, like, 135, just yep, over, like, because Phil says over and over again, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going on until I feel like I'm sitting perfectly in the park pocket with one, you know, with one plate before I'll allow myself yep. to go heavier. But I know what you're saying, Rob, too, because you need so, sort of that feedback a little bit, too. You know, it does sort of help, you know. Yeah. But I like the idea. Yeah, I mean, have a broomstick on your back and do a perfect squat. You, you know, you'd have to be very tight. You'd have to really, you know, tighten everything down because you don't, just don't have any feedback. You know, there's no bounce. There's no heft to the bar, that kind of stuff. So. I got another perfect example of this, uh, you know, how meaningful form is. And that, sure, at times, you know, strength can trump bad form. And uh, Chad will be able to relate, relate to this, too. Um, you know, I took up Highland Games last February. And they told me, well, we're going to put you in B class right away because you're so strong and you'll just murder the C class. They said, you'll be in B class for... Uh, a couple years, and it took me two months, and I and I won the B class and moved to A, and it was just because I'm freaking strong. Um, but now A class is a whole different, whole different division, you know. Um, it's all technique for me now. You know, I go up there and I I do okay, but if I want to get where I expect to, I'm gonna have to practice technique, 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 technique for days and hours on end. 
to hone this. It's the strength isn't going to get me where I need to go. Well, that's like Chad you know, said. It's almost it's more like help. football. Now, now you're a football player in a sense, in that you're, you know, exactly. that, and that you're having to go practice all these sports specific skills. And it's a whole different skill, you know. And that's what I've been in the same spot. I mean, I've I've been in several meets where I hit big deadlifts, and people come up to me and say, "You just lifted more than you're able to." And the reason is why is because I so much time on impeccable form, and that's the only reason I got there. Um, and it's yeah, just, I always hear these stories of guys going to West Side or even Elite Fitness and like, man, I put 50 pounds on my bench in a day. Well, there's no <laughs> physical way to get physically that stronger in one day. Yeah. The only reason they lifted that much more is because Dave or Louie or one of them guys fixed their technique. Right, yeah. right. You know, I think a perfect example of this is, as well, as, and, and you guys I know will agree with me, is look at the difference between you know, it, it, in weightlifting. I mean, you know, strength, you know, acceleration and power and all those things, they're absolutely fundamentally important to, you know, to do the big lifts. But at the same time, I mean, technique is so stressed, and those guys just hammer it over oh, yeah. and over again. Because, I mean, you could be, as, you know, the strongest power lifter in the world and, you know, and all of a sudden make, you know, the, the shift to, to weightlifting. And, you know, you're, you're going to be embarrassed by guys who are probably 50, oh. 100, you know, pounds yeah. lighter than oh, you. Oh, yeah. They're weight. They're not stronger than you. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, the embarrassment shouldn't be there because you have to realize it's not that you're weaker than these guys by any stretch. It's just that these guys have spent 10, 12, 15 years, you know, doing several workouts a day, right. doing nothing, nothing but half a degree different in the angle. Yeah. Stuff like that. You yeah. know, and it's, it's so, I mean, that's a perfect example of it. You need to be strong. Yes. But if you want to be great, you have to combine all those things. You have to be great. Like, exactly. That's what I was going to say. This comes into the point. I mean, there is a point, though, to also you just got to get stronger. Um, and, and your Olympic lifting thing is, is a perfect one for it. I mean, to, our Olympic lifting here in the States has become very much totally technique. That's what they coach. It's all tech, more technique, more technique, more technique, more technique, and we're like ranked number 20 in the world. <laughs> and it's because they are just stupid stronger than us. You go over there and you look at the Bulgarians and the Russians and the Chinese, wow. and they're just freaking strong. Yeah. And they've got technique. So, I mean, you can't just study technique. I mean, no, there's got to be a nice to, balance. You've you got to get dumb strong, too. I've been fortunate enough to know top strongmen, top bodybuilders, top island game guys, top weightlifters. And, and I love getting to talk to those guys where we all kind of look at each other and we're all impressed with each other's strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, like in the Highland Games, I cannot compete with the pro throwers. Yeah, I, I'm way stronger than them, but those mm-hmm. guys hit the right positions. Mm-hmm. So they're able to use the strength that I have. I think it's kind of like Phil said. We all have – all the top guys are strong as shit. I don't care how you look at it. They're all lifting good numbers. They're all strong. Yeah. But then they also have that technique in their individual sports. Right. So it, it's definitely a combination of both. I mean, you have to have that strength. You have to work strength. But, yep. but in order to be one of the best, you also have to have the technique to go along with exactly. it. Exactly. You know, you can't ignore any of these these different attributes. I mean, yeah, you can't. And, and you see it swaying back and forth all the time. I mean, you even say it in stuff like mixed martial arts. You see that kind of swaying, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's like everybody starts and everybody realizes when you know the UFC first came out. Oh well, um, you know, everybody's completely not you know put prioritize the ground game. So then you see, I mean, if you really see the, how things have evolved in MMA, it's gone completely like that. Then everybody's like, okay, well, we all have to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We all have to do the ground game. And then everybody starts doing that. And then everybody, nobody knows how to strike anymore. 
So then everybody starts, you know, it, it just keeps going back and forth because people don't realize that it's a combination of things. Like you say, you have to be, I mean, if you want to be exceptional, you have to be exceptionally strong, exceptionally tight, mechanically sound. You have to basically manipulate all the variables to you, your total advantage. And if you're just going down one road to just be perfect in this way, you're going to, yeah, you can't, you right. can't just be, I mean, it'll, you know, great mechanics will get you far, but only so far. It's a deck Max of cards. Strength. Right. Yeah, you got to stack right. stack the cards in your deck and skill is like the steering wheel, but you need an engine or the steering wheel is not going to do a whole lot. I mean, Rob, you're talking about martial arts. When I used to do uh, Taekwondo and Judo in college, uh, I was by that point, I was lifting a lot of weight a lot of the time and make no mistake, being stronger than the other competitors was a gigantic advantage. Now, if my form was very poor it might not have been enough cards in that deck to make a difference, you know, but against an equally skilled opponent, guess who won, mm. you know, because well, like Phil said, was... there was that element of s- stupid strength, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to back it all. So, yeah, it is sort of that combo. Well, contrary, to a lot of, contrary to a lot of the ignorant people that talk on YouTube about this stuff, you know, no, being huge, you know, lots of muscle, lots of strength doesn't translate, you know, into great fighting skill. But like Lonnie says, make no mistake, being huge and very hugely strong is a massive advantage if you have to defend yourself. Right. Usually it's the beginner, it's the beginner martial artist who say strength has nothing to do with it, body mass has nothing to do with it, it's all technique. Well, you know, it's cards in your deck. That's all I'm saying. More yeah. cards in your deck. I look at it, you know, I've, I've had some opportunities to meet some pro football players and stuff and I've heard some stories of guys that train them and you know, there's some unbelievably weak linemen in the NFL. And in my mind, I go, okay, well, this guy's in the NFL. He's obviously good at what he does. But he can only squat 500 pounds. How good would he be if he could squat 800 pounds? Yeah. yeah. You know, how much better yeah. does that make him? Because, I mean, yes, strength. I, I talked to a couple of trainers about it, and we're like, you know, an NFL lineman doesn't have to squat 1,000 pounds. But, I mean, this guy should be able to bust out 500-pound ones fast, and he should be able to squat 800 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you can't tell me that that wouldn't make him a better, even better than what he is right now if he was that much stronger. Yeah. Without question. Without question. I don't, I don't think I see any performance-based um, athletic pursuit, sport-wise, that wouldn't be um, massively made more impressive with the person being just structurally stronger, more powerful, more explosive, without question. Well, because everything you do is more sub-maximal then. If, if that right. guy's max squat is 800, then his usual movements are a tiny fraction of that ability. Whereas if he's only squatting five, listen to me, only five, then, you know, he might be exerting 50% or 75% of himself to do a lot of these things on the field. But if his max is 800, he's only exerting 30% of himself. Mm-hmm. For those things, and, and, and depending if you're looking in terms of force, you know he's going to be able to move 500 pounds with much more acceleration. Yes, you know, with acceleration, much more force against that person, and, and a lot of a lot of athletics does come down to force. Yeah, well, of course. I think it was a good show, guys. It's been an hour. Yeah, I'm looking at the clock. I'm thinking, <sighs> oh damn, Phil was right. We jumped right into a topic, and we went. <laughs> We got chatty and went the whole time. Yeah, I could, I could, I could talk about this stuff all day. Yeah, I was going to say, I could go for a couple more hours probably. Exactly. We'll have you back on, buddy. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. We Thank, you, thank yeah. you for coming on, man. It was awesome. I always have fun, man. I'm glad you guys had sure. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Chad. Everybody go to Chad's site. Um, 
you know, check out the DVD. I think it's something you'd enjoy. So, can we spell out his web address just one more time? Yeah, it's C H A D, and then A I C H S dot com. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks everybody for coming on, and uh, till next week, uh, we'll happy lifting. There you go. Have a good day, everybody. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So... For more information, go to www.vissn.org. Hey, Iron Radio listeners. This is John Mike. I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists. It's pleased to announce the 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three-day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Water Park, New Mexico Sports and Wellness, and the University of New Mexico, and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.ascp.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh industry personalities or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.